Welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us today. We hope that this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. Uh, can we pray tonight, folks? We're going to get into the Word. Thank you, Lord. We're just so grateful to you for your presence, Lord, for the gospel of grace and life. Lord, thank you that you saved us. We could never have done this on our own. We could never have gotten here uh, in our own strength. You had to come. You had to visit humanity. You had to find us in the darkness uh, of our, our of self, Lord, of sin, of failure, of brokenness. You had to hunt us down with your redeeming love, and you did. Holy Spirit, you've never missed one, and you never will. We are here because of you. And so we rejoice tonight, and we thank you for the grace of God, for the gospel. Lord, it's the gospel, it's the love of God that's propping us all up tonight. Help us to remember that, Lord. And Lord, I want to pray for anybody in a storm tonight, anybody dealing with a circumstance that's just beyond them, beyond their strength. I pray that this word would be food to them, encouragement to them, life to them. And the most important thing, Lord, we pray at the beginning, Lord, we pray that you would be clearly seen through the preaching of your word. I am just a man. I am just a person. There is nothing I can offer except myself. So please use me to bring your word to your people tonight. Holy Spirit, we submit and surrender ourselves to you. We love you, Holy Spirit. Oh, where would we be without you? Oh, the answer is in the grave. Hallelujah. Where would we be without you? Holy Spirit, I guess we'll never know. I guess we'll never know. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. Okay, folks, uh, as per usual, I just didn't know what to call this thing. I had two titles, and I guess Jess will have to choose one, but I'm going to give you both. One is, I didn't know you had it in you. And the other is, four things your storm is teaching you. Four things your storm is teaching you. And we're going to go to an incredibly familiar passage of Scripture. It's in Mark chapter 4 verse 35. And while you're turning, I just want to ask you, do you know, uh, have you ever been in a circumstance with somebody that you thought you knew, and all of a sudden, a different set of circumstances causes you to see them in a new way? Maybe, maybe you, maybe you're in a, maybe you uh, didn't know your wife had a complaining voice until she complained at that restaurant that time or in that airport that time. Maybe you thought that she was just a wallflower, Tinkerbell, until she was crossed by that airline and she became not Tinkerbell, but a hound from hell. Amen? Yeah, maybe you know what I'm talking about. Maybe it's the, it's the husband and you didn't know that hus- the husband actually could swing a hammer and hit a nail successfully. Maybe you didn't know. And it's funny, new circumstances can help us see things in people that we wouldn't otherwise see. Say it with me tonight, I didn't know you had it in you. Mark, 30, Mark 4 verse 35, and I was so busy telling you a story, I'm in Judges. Give us a second there. <laughs> Mark 4 verse 35, okay, let's go folks. 
this is the one part of my Bible that has been ripped out. <laughs> Just bear with me. No, I got it. I got. I get there in the end. It's like origami. I've unfold it and everything. <laughs> Here we are. Okay, Jesus calms the storm. Let's go. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, "Let us go across." to the other side. That should be read in your Bible if it isn't online. It. Let us go across to the other side and leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boats just as he was. And the other boats were with him and a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on the cushion and they woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? Amen, amen, amen. Jesus had just come off a very successful preaching and teaching day, and he was tired. That's the context of this passage. Uh, But I don't want to focus too much on that, just so you understand. Uh, I actually want to look a little bit at the Sea of Galilee, just to give you a little context. Author Michael Keane commented that the Sea of Galilee was known for its sudden and fierce storms known for them. It was a particularly tempestuous body of water and the Jews were people of the land who were uncomfortable at sea. Kind of like Patrick Dobbin. Patrick Dobbin doesn't like sea unless he's on a big cruise ship that can take 7,000 people. Anything less than that and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm no bueno, okay? Now they believed that the sea was full of frightening creatures. It's interesting because when they saw in another instance Jesus walking on the water, they presumed he was a ghost. They were full of superstition. Uh, The Sea of Galilee though, and I want to focus on this for just a moment, was at the lower end in the topography of Israel. It was one of the lowest points, folks. And it was also the place where Jesus performed a large number of the 37 miracles we read about in the Gospels. You know, it's interesting, folks. I want you to take this. Low places, then, can become places of deep revelation for the believer. Low places, okay? Hard times, storms, trials can become places then where he shows us the greatest parts of himself. Amen. Are you in a low place tonight? Are you going through a trial? Uh, Do you feel down? Let me encourage you. It's a place where God likes to reveal his character, his nature, and his attributes. Hallelujah. So that's some context for you about the Sea of Galilee. But I want to go back for a second to the idea of not knowing you had it in you. Uh, You know, it's possible to walk with Jesus and have an incomplete view of him. It's possible not to see him as he truly is. To, so folks, uh, you, we have to understand, if we're going to do great exploits, we must know our God in his entirety. And there are storms coming, and we'll touch on that in a moment. But we need to realize that if we're going to walk into the purposes that lie beyond the storms we're going to face, we need to know our God. Amen? See him as he is. We need to. And so, folks, 
for some of us, we need to learn again then through the storm what we may have forgotten about our God. Who exactly it is that has gotten into the boat with us? That's the question tonight. Do you know who has gotten into the boats with you? Do you know? So a quick overview, we're going to look at four things your storm might be teaching you about the one who's gotten into the boat with you, amongst other things. Let's go. Verse 37. Uh, Yes, we'll start in verse 37. And a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. First thing that your storm is teaching you is this. The presence of trouble does not mean the absence of God. Follow me here for a second. They encountered a storm. Let me define a storm for you. Storms are unexpected, extreme circumstances that threaten your very life. That's what they are. And that's what they encountered. Maybe you know something about that tonight. A sudden, unexpected, extreme circumstance that seems like it's threatening your very life. That's what they incurred. I want to say this to you tonight as well. There is a season of trouble. There is a storm brewing that will come upon this world as well. Do you notice it? Do you see it? There is a a geopolitical storm coming. There is a racial, economic storm coming. And I want you to know, folks, God has not exempted his church. He's sending us in. That's what the text says. The Bible says that they got in a boat and he said, let's go to the other side. He knew there were storms that lay ahead and he sent his disciples ahead, sent them in. So there are storms coming, folks. Some storms are unavoidable, but he's going with us. Amen. We're not going in alone. His intention for them was to go through and for the church of Jesus Christ, through has always been the way through the storm. That has always been the way. We are not immune from troubled times, folks. Can I get an amen tonight? I'm so sorry. We're not, but we shouldn't fear them. Quote from Nicky Gumbel, difficulties come into our lives to develop us. Every storm is a school. Every trial is a teacher. Every experience an education. Isn't that interesting tonight? Can we embrace that tonight? That if you're in a storm for you as a believer, it's not a threat to your life. Rather, your threat is a tutor. Your storm is a school. They sailed into the storm with Jesus on their boats and they began to take in water. It is possible to be in the will of God and still take in water. Folks, why are we surprised when water gets in our boat? Why do we believe that because we have Christ in our lives, we will be exempted from what lies ahead? And so when trouble hits our lives, it challenges us. We get challenged. How can this be happening to me? Jesus is in my boat after all. I thought I was in the will of God. Have you been there? Bewildered when things hit your life, looking up to the sky, trying to reconcile it. Folks, we must have a solid theology of suffering in this life. 
We need proper expectations in this life. Job said, Job 5, 7, yet man is born to trouble as sparks fly upward. As surely as sparks fly upward, man is born to trouble. Just because it's a storm doesn't mean it isn't God. Amen. The presence of trouble does not mean the absence of God. Can I get an amen? Can we widen our theology tonight? Lord Jesus, I can infer goodness and grace and kindness even on the storms in my life. You're good enough, gracious enough, big enough to bring me through kindly even through those things. Listen, God's way is always through for his people, but never alone, never without him. And we can't face storms with wrong expectations. We can't. We can't expect to go through life wrapped in Holy Spirit cotton wool. We can't. I've got some quotes here from Tim Keller. Jesus Christ did not suffer so that you would not suffer. He suffered so that when you suffer, you'll become more like him. The gospel does not promise you better life circumstances. It promises you a better life, his life. Amen. That's the promise. Christianity teaches that. Contra-fatalism, suffering is overwhelming. Contra-Buddhism, suffering is real. Contra-karma, suffering is unfair. But contra-secularism, culture is meaningful. There is purpose to it, and if faced rightly, it can drive us like a nail deep into the love of God, into more stability and spiritual power than you can imagine. Hallelujah tonight. Hallelujah tonight. The second point here is verse 38. The Bible says, he was in a storm asleep on the cushion and they woke him and they said to him, teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? What a rude awakening. What a way. I've had, a, I've had some rude awakenings in my life, folks. I think if I was the creator of the universe with a perfect track record of faithfulness, omniscience and power, I would be offended a little at that sort of awakening, but not the Son of God. Hallelujah. Thank God Patrick Dobbin wasn't in the boat with him. He would have turned over, grunted something in French that I couldn't repeat here in front of you. Fine, redeemed people. Not Jesus. Not Jesus. But it's our cry so often in those moments. Psalm 44 verse 23, the psalmist writes, Arouse yourself. Why do you sleep, O Lord? Awake and do not reject us forever. Psalm 10 verse 1, Why do you stand afar off, O Lord? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Let me say this. The storm of unbelief in the disciples was the true threat here. There's more than one storm in this story, folks. More than a storm of circumstance. There was a storm in the emotions of these men. There was a storm of unbelief brewing that threatened everything. It threatened to drown them. Folks, it's not what you go through in life, but the meaning you make from what you go through that can threaten your faith walk. It's the meaning you make of it. And so they come to Jesus. Jesus, it's not working Don't you care? If you loved me, in other words, you would have prevented or delivered me from this. It's revealing, isn't it? 
I'm trying and it's not happening. I'm working to fix it and it's still broken. And in that moment, their true beliefs about suffering were exposed. A loving God would either keep me from suffering or take me out of suffering. He would not leave me in it. How many across the evangelical landscape, how many in the body today have that sort of view of Jesus? Jesus, if you loved me, if you loved me, you would have prevented me from it or you'd be delivering me out of it. But our theology of suffering doesn't stretch far enough to believe that a loving God could keep me in it. And this is what the Son of God wants to amend in all of us tonight. Because it's in all of us. It's in me. Please understand. I might be here, but it's in me too. It's in all of us. Listen. Listen tonight, folks. Too many of us have given our storm the power of definition. The power to redefine the love and character of God. Too many of us are listening to what the waves have to say tonight. But let me say something to you. The Son of God had also spoken something. I didn't start, I started in verse 37, but in verse 35, there was a promise. The problem was this. They reached for an accusation instead of for the promise. That's what they reached for, an accusation instead of for the promise that they heard in verse 35. Jesus said to them, let us go to the other side. Folks, when the Son of God tells you that he's going to go with you to the other side, you can be assured of two things, his presence and your sure arrival at the other side. It doesn't matter what you meet in the middle when the Son of God has told you that you're going to the other side. Should it matter? Should it matter to us what we encounter between what he says and the fulfillment of what he says? It shouldn't, but for so many of us it does. And it's because we have an incomplete view of him. They only saw him on the boat, you see. They only saw him sleeping. They only saw him seemingly inactive. If he's only in your boat, if he's only a part of your life, if he's only someone to turn up when things break down, maybe you have an incomplete view of him. So many of us have become disappointed because in the face of storms, they have reduced, because uh, in the face of storms, because of what they have reduced Jesus to in their lives. We live in a day where we have diminished the Son of God to an option, to an addition in our lives, small enough to fit in our boat, small enough to fit in our heart, not big enough to take on our problems, reduced, redacted, an ornamental saviour. We break the glass in case of emergency, but otherwise he just hangs out like something hanging off a rearview mirror. And trouble, God in his mercy, he brings us into trouble because he doesn't want us to live that way. 
He doesn't want us living that way. It reveals, the, it shows us what's going on. It exposes us. It shows us what is going on beneath the surface, brings us to all the same ground. It brings us to a, the same place, trouble like pain. It all brings us high, low, rich, poor, black, white, whatever divides we think stand in society, trouble and pain bring us back to that simple fact. We have no strength. We have no ability. There is nothing we can do in the face of the, inevit the inevitabilities of life. It reveals the faultiness in our beliefs. Another Tim Keller quote, which is rather good. When pain and suffering come upon us, we finally see not only that we are not in control of our lives, but that we never were. So the first or the second lesson the storm teaches us is who we really are. The storms of in our lives show us who we really are. Control freaks. Are you a control freak? I'm a control freak. Just an honest moment from, from the preacher tonight. I'm a control freak. It shows us what we really believe about suffering, about God, and how quickly we turn to character assassination. How quickly we question his goodness, his kindness, his love, his mercy when circumstances begin to turn away from what we've planned or expected. But I want to encourage you tonight, listen. Even our prayers of unbelief in the midst of storms can access divine power. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That wasn't a Shakespearean prayer down on one knee, EM bounds, dearest Lord above, Father, Lord of hosts, God of lights, come into my situation, O sovereign king. That wasn't the type of prayer that they offered to the Son of God. It was unbelieving. It was fleshly. It was carnal. It was accusatory. And he still answered it. The grace of God. The grace of God. Think of Elijah running from Jezebel's threats. Lord, I'm the only one left. I'm a dead man. I'm just going to sit here and die. And God doesn't come to castigate the prophet, nor does he come to castigate the disciples. He came with bread and water for the prophet, and he comes with an answer now for those, for those men. Folks, your prayer life may not be where it ought to be. In your storm, he will still act. He will still act. That's the grace of God, you see. It's almost as if it has nothing to do with us. It's almost as if it has nothing to do with our performance, with our goodness, with our faithfulness, with our ability, with our devotion, with our appearance, with our track record. It's almost as if God Almighty will act according to his own goodness, that Jesus will act according to his own nature, regardless of whether or not our faith will rise to recognize that nature. Is that who we serve tonight? It is. I'm here to tell somebody it is. It is. Don't let your storm close your mouth. We have nothing to offer, no ability, no strength. We are not in control. This is the gospel. Weak, broken men and women calling imperfectly for mercy. The next point, verse 39, and he awoke and rebuked the wind and the sea. And he said, peace be still. And the wind ceased. And there was great calm. The next thing your storm teaches you is your storm will remind you who he really is. 
your storm will tell you who got in the boat with you. They woke him up. They woke him up. They, the, <laughs> the son of Joseph and Mary could grow tired and fall asleep. But the one who watches over Israel neither slumbers nor does he sleep. Fully God and fully man. The man in the God-man might have slept, but the God in the God-man never took his eyes off them. Man enough to sleep, you see. God enough to put the storm to sleep. I said he's man enough to sleep and he's God enough to put the storm to sleep. Amen. Let me say that three times. God enough, man enough to sleep. God enough to put the storm to sleep. What is the most important thing, unfortunately, what is the most important thing Christians don't know that they need to know? R.C. Sproul's answer, that's easy too. They don't know who God is. Folks, it's as if we've forgotten. It's as if because we live charmed, blessed, ordinary lives, we've forgotten that the great I am has gotten into the boat with us. The self-sufficient one, the one who had a saity, the one who was self-existent, God all on his own, in eternity, needed nothing, and yet came down to visit mankind in an act of mercy, took off divine preeminence, not emptied his divinity, but took off that exalted role and came down and took the role of a humble servant. Fully God, fully man, humbled himself for the sake of you and I. They didn't know who they had in the boat with them was the mystery of the incarnation. Fully God, fully man. Understand, folks, storms are formed from unstable air. Unstable air forms when warm, moist air is near the ground and cold, dry air is up above. So this entire storm is really about two opposing fronts. Two opposing fronts, the word and the circumstances that challenge the word's authority. That's really what the storm was. And in your life, the storms that come are always about the promises and the circumstances that rise up to challenge their authority. Psalm 46, Jesus, it's a direct quote. Jesus says, be still and know that I'm God. And so the Son of God arose in his divinity to settle a theological dispute who is really in charge? Who's really God here? Who wears the pants? He told the storm, the circumstances to be still. Do circumstances have the power to override my word? Can a storm be strong enough to derail the trajectory of my word, to knock you off course? Problem versus promise. Word versus waves. Was it a close fight? It was over before his pillow got cold. I said it was over before his pillow got cold. Let me tell you, there is no contest between what he's promised you and the circumstances that you are currently encountering. There is no contest. It is feigned. They, every storm, every circumstance is a pretender to the throne, to the authority that his word alone occupies. It's a pretender. That financial issue, it's, pre it's a pretender. A false king with false claims. It can't stand against the authority of his word. It can't fight against the authority of his promises. What is it that's in your way? What buffets you? 
What counter winds are coming against you? The wind of his word is a greater wind. The wind at your back, believer, tonight is a greater wind than any you will encounter. Any encounter, any. The wind of his spirit, the wind of his word. Hallelujah. It was over before his pillow got cold. See, folks, he's not just in the boat. He's on the throne. Not just in the boat, but on the throne. And he was teaching them to trust in the strength of his word. My word is active even when it seems like I am not. My word is working even when it seems like I am not. I, in my, my, I may seem to be doing nothing, but my word has gone forth. My word, my promises will bring you through. There is no difference between the hand and mouth of God. There is no difference between his mouth and his hand. What he says is the same. It is an action in and of itself. It is what it, it is a deed. His word is a deed. The proclamation, let us go to the other side, held the same power as be still. It's not how he says it. He doesn't need to stand up in front of the waves and proclaim it like Charlton Heston. It doesn't have to be some thundering proclamation. Sometimes just opening the Bible and trusting what you read is enough. It doesn't have to be at some altar. It doesn't have to be some preacher delivering something. Sometimes the word is enough. Trust the word. Open the word. Read the word. Believe the word. It will carry you through. The final lesson, the final thing tonight is this. Verse 40, he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the seas obey him? The final lesson is that storms teach us where to place our fear. Not all fear is bad. Not all fear is bad. The Anglican clergyman John Close commented that by asking the question, why are you so afraid? By asking, do you still have no faith? Jesus was manifestly pointing out, pointing to a deficit in their spiritual principles. Close further commented that, uh, that the last question Jesus was manifestly instructing his disciples and through them all future generations of mankind, that fear is the constant result of the want of heavenly principles in the human mind. Let me say that again. Fear is the want of heavenly principles in the human mind. In other words, experience is not enough to get you through your storm. Yes, he's in the boat with you. They had experienced Jesus for years. They'd walked with him, spoken with him, eaten with him. They'd seen him work miracles. They'd seen him get thirsty. They'd seen him grow tired. They had a type of experience. But what was lacking was theology. Their theology was wrong. Their understanding, theological understanding of who he was, was wrong. You see, it's not enough to simply have experience. You need theology. Experience can comfort you. Theology will give you confidence. Theology, it is a theological statement to say that God is sovereign. And it's true regardless of whether you've ever experienced that in your life. You need theology. You need it. Where do you go in the absence of experience? Untroubled waters you have never encountered before. You must go higher 
to the word. A higher authority than even personal experience, higher than life experience, higher than the wisdom of age, higher than the wealth of wisdom gained by a full life. As long as you are alive, you will encounter new storms, new trials, new experiences. And you need experience and theology to get you through your storm. You need his word and his presence. Sometimes my only point of reference, the only place I can go for confidence in my situation is his word. You will encounter things that you haven't experienced, that your experience of God does not stretch to, that others' testimony of God doesn't stretch to. There is an unshakable, infallible truth that the greatest to the least in the kingdom can stand on. And that is the word. That is the word. Let the word have authority above human experience and reason, above it all. Let his word have the preeminence in your life. His word says it, and I believe it, and that settles it. Folks, and they went from fearing their experiences, sorry, from fearing their circumstances to fearing God. (laughs) They sailed in more afraid of what they would encounter on the way. They sailed out afraid, not afraid, not, not terror, but of awe, a fear of the Lord. They sailed out more in awe, more fearful of the one in the boat with them. You see, I believe that the Lord will bring the church through storms to restore the fear of the Lord, a holy reverential awe of the one in the boat with them. We sail in treating Jesus as some kind of blessing machine, some kind of cosmic jukebox, and we come out recognizing the one we serve. Creator God, Savior God, this I believe is the promise of what we'll go, what we, we'll go through and what was on the other side of the storm. The Gadarenes, the Decapolis, Gentiles, lost people, souls. It was, it, was, it was a storm that they had to pass through. Lessons that they had to learn so that they could walk in the purposes of God and see many come into the kingdom. And they were free. Free of their anxieties, free of their fears, free of the fear of the outcomes. They were free of it because their eyes were on God. I'm going to close now, and as I do, I want to just quickly draw an allusion to the Apostle Peter. Peter, knowing Peter, it was probably Peter accusing God, Jesus on the boat of letting them drown. I hope I'm not doing the Apostle Peter a discredit, but I feel it's a safe bet. Well, the Bible says later on in the book of Acts, Peter awaited trial and more than likely capital punishment in a cell. The Bible says that he was asleep between two Roman soldiers. What a place to sleep. What a place to rest. That's almost as crazy as resting in a storm. Folks, Peter had come into a rest. Peter had come into a confidence. Peter understood, I believe, that the authority, all authority, was in the word. Why did he rest? Because Jesus told him that when he was old, Others would bind him and lead him where he didn't want to go. In other words, Jesus told him, Peter, you're not going to die yet. Not until you're older. And when you do, it'll be when others bind you and bring you where you don't want to go. So Peter knew that his hour had not yet come. Peter understood that there was a word that had gone before him. 
Peter understood that as long as the promises lay unfulfilled and the purposes lay as yet unfulfilled, he was safe as houses. So he might as well get some rest. Maybe that could be you tonight. There are promises yet to be unfulfilled. Purposes of God in my life, they're not, they're not, he's not done yet. It's not over. So I might as well get some rest. I might as well get some rest. Amen. Will you stand with me? Will you stand with me tonight? Thank you, Jesus. Will you lift your hands? I'll just pray quickly and then hand it back to Pastor Nick. Lord, we worship you tonight. Lord, we thank you for the truth. You've given us your word and you've spoken promises over our lives. It's enough. Yes, Lord, we might be facing uh, tempests. We might be facing storms. We might be facing the unforeseen. We might be facing the unsuspected. But in it and through it all, we have a higher court of appeal. Your word your word, your promises, God. Why should we fear? Why should we be afraid? Lord, I pray tonight, Lord Jesus, that we would have a restored confidence in the word of God. Help us to see who's in our boat. Help us to see that the great I am has stepped into our boat, that Emmanuel, God with us, is the great I am, that the all-sufficient one came and now dwells with us, that the extraordinary God now lives with us in the everyday of our boat. Lord, give us confidence to rest like you did, because there's no contest. You're God enough. Hallelujah. You're man enough, Jesus. You're man enough, oh God, to, to be in the boat with us, Lord. You're man enough to be right there, Lord, to comfort us, Lord, but you're God enough to put that storm to bed. So Lord, we trust you tonight and we love you. We love you, God. I just pray, Holy Spirit, just for three seconds, Holy Spirit, just lift the fear. Lift the fear in the name of Jesus. Lift the fear. Lift the fear, Lord. Lift it, Holy Spirit. Cause the people, Lord, under the sound of my voice to have their spiritual eyes lifted, God, above the tempest to the one walking on the waves, Lord, to the hills from whence their help comes. Lord, back, Lord, let their eyes be back on the maker of heaven and earth, the God who loves them and died for them and shed his blood for them. Give your people a confidence in the face of what is to come in the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website. It's www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and we will see you next time.